Well, good morning again, and welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad you're joining us, whether it's online or in person, wherever you are on your spiritual journey. Now, last week in our teaching series, This is Jesus, Tyler looked at the account of a blind man uh, named Bartimaeus who boldly asked Jesus to give him his sight back. And memorably, Tyler said, getting your eyes back, that's not a thing. Today, we heard Susan read an account of Jesus' encounter with another man, this one named Lazarus, and how Jesus raised him from the dead. That's so not a thing. I don't go to funerals, and I don't think you do either, waiting at the reception to see if the dead person will come in and join us for the sandwiches. If that was possible for Lazarus, what could it mean for us? Because I'm made of the same stuff that he was. Let's explore how the fact that Lazarus was raised from the dead could equip us in the trenches of daily life here in Toronto or wherever you're joining us from. It's John chapter 11, if you want to call it up on your phone, uh, verses 32 to 44, uh, or it's page 105 in the Bibles in front of you. Now there's a story about a famous painting. It hangs in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. And it depicts Faust, that mythical German character playing chess with the devil. Have a look, it's going to come up on the screen. The chessboard, it can be clearly seen, and the devil has Faust checkmated. And he's soberly claiming his eternal soul in victory. And apparently one day, the story goes, a grand chess master came to the Uffizi to look at this famous painting. He stood there staring at the chessboard for several hours. And then suddenly he stepped back and he shouted at the top of his voice, it's a lie. The knight and the king have another move. It's a lie. I'm not much of a chess player, but I do understand what checkmate means. And that's what death can feel like. Life's final, crushing, irrevocable blow. You live, you die, death in all its forms. Our physical death, which is uh, often preceded with pain and suffering, uh, the death of a marriage, the death of a friendship, the death of a career path, the death of a church. Checkmate. No. No, says Jesus, that's a lie. You have another move. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live. Do you believe this? The fear of death, which will come to each of us, it's like a base note of anxiety running through all our lives. And I, I call it a base note because you usually can't hear base notes. Rather, they're felt. And this fear of death is underneath so many of our anxieties and concerns. And I think it's the knowledge of this promise the promise of there being another move on the chessboard, of God's power to raise people from the dead, that can uniquely equip us to live with hope and confidence in the trenches of real life. You know, life where people lose their jobs and your children might make decisions that just break your heart, or you feel lonely in this city, and Squid Game is the most popular show ever. 
How might this be the case? Let's dig into the story a little bit because it's one of the most unnerving in the whole New Testament. And our reading picks up the story uh, midstream. Lazarus was a contemporary of uh, Jesus, and so he would have been, along with his sisters Mary and Martha, and he would have been probably a young man, late 20s, early 30s. And he becomes mysteriously sick. And we're told that Jesus loved the whole family, but that when he receives a note that Lazarus is ill, he doesn't drop everything and run to his friend's side. He arrives a few days later. And finding that Lazarus has died, we're told that Jesus openly cried. It's the shortest line in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. It's a remarkable detail. The ancient Greeks, they believed that God was apatheia, God not being capable of relationship and emotion. Eastern religions believe that God is outside the flow of everyday life, beyond grief and pain. And Islam has a view of God so exalted that the idea of God becoming flesh is incomprehensible. Jesus wept. We then hear that Lazarus had been lying in the tomb for four days. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. The King James Version of the Bible uh, from 1611 has a fantastic translation. And Martha said, Lord, he stinketh. This is an important detail because it meant that Lazarus' body had already begun to decompose. And according to Jewish belief, his soul had already left his body. He was, in other words, completely and irrevocably dead. And the reason that this passage is rarely preached on anymore is partly because it's so uncompromising. This is not going to be some emergency room resuscitation or a near-death experience. There's no lights or lilies, no butterflies, no soft voices and floating off into another world. No, if this is going to be anything, it's going to be the resurrection of a dead body, a bald, unadorned corpse walking out of a grave. Martha, hearing that Jesus was on his way, runs out to meet him with a face filled with both reproach and pleading trust and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus' simple response, your brother will rise again, it really seems to grate on Martha. I know, I know, I know he's going to rise again at the last day, as if to say, that's all very nice, but right now, Jesus, he's dead, and you, you didn't come. Verse 25, watch out for the hair on the back of your neck. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? No other great religious leader in recorded history has ever made such a claim. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Moses. Only Jesus of Nazareth claims to be alive now. Someone that 
Christians refer to in the present tense. Only Jesus claims that God can and will raise people from the dead. Verse 43. When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And notice that the writer John didn't say Lazarus came out, but so as to emphasize how breathtaking this moment must have been, he records the dead man came out. If this is true, if this thing that is not a thing, coming back to life of the corpse, if this thing of unexpected beauty is actually true, if God has the power to do that, imagine the possibilities in life. We're, we're a diverse group of people, online and in person, and we all have different doubts and questions. And some of you, you may already be there. You may have experienced Jesus as alive in your life, maybe in your prayers or in the bread and wine. Uh, you may be serving Jesus already in the faces of the poor and the abused. The living Lord Jesus is known to you. And that's what those who are preparing for baptism in our St. Paul's community are getting ready for. How exciting. For others, you're not there, and that's okay. All are welcome. But I do believe that all of us, those of us who are arrogant and anxious, those of us who are hopeful and confident, I believe all of us want this beautiful thing that's not a thing to be true. Because it's the knowledge of another move on the chessboard, of God's power to raise people from the dead that can uniquely strengthen us in the trenches of real life. How? How? Eugene O'Neill wrote a play called Lazarus Laughed. And it looks at Lazarus' life after Jesus called him back from the dead. And as soon as he gets home, his sisters, they ask him the inevitable question. What's it like beyond the grave, brother? Lazarus begins to laugh, and it's a laugh of pure joy. And then he finally says this. There's only life. There's only laughter, the laughter of God soaring into the heights and the depths. There's no death, really. Death's not the end. It's not an abyss or the entrance into nothingness or chaos. Death is a portal, a passageway into deeper and brighter life. There's only life, my sisters, nothing but life. The grave is not what you think it is. It is literally empty, a doorway, not destruction. As the play unfolds, Lazarus goes on to live a life marked by laughter, wonder, curiosity, because he now has no fear of death. That base note of fear is no longer running underneath each day. Uh, he now has an eternal perspective on his daily struggles, knowing that God will one day raise him from the dead. He now has no ultimate fear a failure at work, no ultimate fear of rejection in love, uh, no ultimate fear of pain or fear of loneliness. I'm going to die one day, gym or no gym, Botox or no Botox. But 
there is no checkmate. This church was started one day, 179 years ago to be precise, and one day this church will end. And other Christian communities will start and live and be faithful just like St. Paul's is trying to be faithful. And as a side, uh, we ourselves hope to start a new one at St. George's by the Grange. But if this thing of unexpected beauty is actually true, if there's another move on the chessboard, then imagine the possibilities in life. Friendships, marriages, they can be healed. Because if God can raise people from the dead, God can give us the strength to forgive, to sacrifice, and to seek a new day. Most serious forgiveness, I mean forgiveness of serious things, it can't be done on our own strength, no matter what a therapist says. Because it's like a death, it's really hard. Because choosing to forgive means foregoing revenge, foregoing your idea of what another person is actually like, foregoing your dreams for how exactly your life is going to unfold. Serious forgiveness, it is like a kind of death because you have to absorb the pain and not inflict the pain on the other person who's wronged you. That's really hard. And to embrace that, that needs a death-defying God. A God who weeps at our suffering, weeps at injustice, cries and laughs at the power of death. A God who can and will raise the dead. That's some power. If there's another life waiting for us, then we don't need to put all our emotional eggs in the basket of our careers or our health or our retirements or the achievements of our children. And if this life is a foretaste, like a signpost towards the life to come, then we're going to be incredibly motivated to seek justice for the present, for the oppressed, to feed the hungry, to comfort the abused, because it's a down payment on the future. If God is preparing a new life for us and is seeking the renewal of all of creation, then Christians will be at the forefront of the environmental movement, partnering at COP26 in Glasgow, laboring to renew the earth as a down payment on the future. And if God plans to raise us from the dead as he raised Lazarus, then what else might God be up to in your home? in this neighborhood with so many condos in our places of work. Today is All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, the day before All Saints' Day. And it's a day when followers of Jesus around the world give thanks for and remember those who've gone before us in faith. And we tend to think of saints as famous and well-known. St. Paul, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Lazarus. When in fact... Uh, saints are usually just regular people like you and me who've spent their lives learning how to follow Jesus and are only known to their families and friends. But today we celebrate in this beautiful place that those saints, known and unknown, are laughing around the throne of God alive, raised from the dead. In the moment of silence about to come, I want you to ask yourself, 
what in my life just might be possible if God does have the power to raise people from the dead? What relationship might be healed? What character trait could be developed in me? Wonder at the possibilities. Be curious about what God might be calling you to, to change in your life, to repent of. What habit, what relationship, what pattern of materialism or anger? Be curious about what God might desire to build in you or develop in your children or start right here in this community of saints. Lazarus, come out. Before you're seated, let's take a moment of silent prayer and then I'll close us. Thanks be to God. Amen.